Welcome, everybody. It is episode 34 of Football A Podcast. I'm back with Matt, and Bill makes his return after, what, three or four-week absence. So Three or four? I like, try two. Uh. It was two weeks. <laughs> I think it was two. Although, okay. although I... I, I, I make it I, more dramatic. Well, no, I, I, I like that I have that impact that you guys have missed me that much that you think it's been a month. Yeah. I although so much, so much has changed. In, in in our world. People aren't talking about how Urban Meyer is a terrible coach anymore, even though he still is. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to report I, I survived uh, travel with a uh, almost three-year-old and a four-month-old um, both times. Uh, so, so that was good. And uh, now just coming back to a much warmer uh, climate. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Very good. And we're coming off one of the weirdest weeks in recent memory from, that, from the NFL perspective. Yes, it was a it was a weird one. It was a weird one. I have I have some thoughts there too. But uh, Matt, how are you doing today? Uh, I am. I went through and I calculated our pick results from last week, and it was it was dire straits. It was not a pleasant experience for uh, really any of us. Um, four and ten, five and nine, six and eight. So, well, how are we doing overall? Do we know? Not bad overall. I, that this week marked put me under five hundred, which is a threshold I do not like being under. But you're still you're doing fine, Bill. I'm now five hundred, and then Matt is close to five hundred as well. So just a little under. Yeah, which I mean, if you're if you're looking if you're comparing us to the ex you know quote unquote experts, Bill, you're probably picking within like the seventieth percentile right now, and Matt and I are probably in the sixtieth percentile. Fifty five. C's get degrees, fellas. <laughs> that they do. That they do. Um, yeah, it was it was a crazy a crazy week nine. I mean, just the the amount of upsets. I can't remember a week that was that crazy. In the amount of like like up like I think when when I did the Survivor run through, like here are teams that I recommend for the Survivor. All these all these teams I recommend for the Survivor in week nine. Like Dallas over Denver was one. Um, Buffalo Jacksonville was another. Uh, the Chargers barely won over Philly. I thought, you know, Green Bay might even be a good one against Kansas City. I mean, all these ones I threw out there, they just like so many of them ended up being wrong. Um, you know, so it's it just wild. There was a kid on Twitter I, I joked about right before the game. He posted all these winners. They're all they were all uh, favorites. And I made a joke of like, oh, we're picking all favorites. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Pick the Jags over the Bills, and which aged perfectly. Uh, yeah. But I still got it wrong. I still picked a lot of upsets, and I got those ones wrong too. Like, wild. Oh, those Buffalo Bills. I, I actually I – have, I, have I have a statement, and I don't know if it's a – I don't okay. know if it's what the kids consider a take or not, but uh, did the Bills have serious problems? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to lay out a case for it, Bill? Uh, so, so let me let me lay out just a little bit of a case okay. for you here. So, I, I want to read off their uh, their schedule thus far: home against the Steelers, lost; at Dolphins, won; home against Washington, won; home against Houston, won; at Kansas City, won. Lost to the Titans in in Tennessee, beat the Bills in in Buffalo, and lost to the Jags in Jacksonville. Wait, who who did they beat? You said they beat the Bills in Buffalo. Who did they beat? Or they beat the Dolphins in Buffalo. Okay. My bad. So my point in telling you all this: so the teams that they've beat, they've beaten the Dolphins twice. They beat the Washington Football Team. 
they beat the Houston Texans and they beat the Chiefs, who we have all agreed have had serious problems. Is there a case to be made that the Buffalo Bills are actually severely overrated? I'm going to jump in here, Zach. I, I want to hear your take, yeah, obviously. No, but but I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree. Um, and there's one key reason as to why I don't think the Bills... T- they, they have some problems. I don't think they're serious problems. I don't think this is a fatal flaw in the team. Um, Sean McDermott, the difference between Buffalo and Kansas City is the difference between Sean McDermott and Andy Reid. Um, I know Andy Reid has a Super Bowl ring to his credit. Sean McDermott does not. But I, I highly regard Sean McDermott, and I would say that he is a significantly better coach than Andy Reid. Um, he's already come out in the media, I think it was this week, um, maybe yesterday or something, and said this offense needs to adjust. Um, we need to look at what we're, what we're doing, and we need to fix some of the problems. So they are going to get back into the lab, and I think they're going to change some things. This is not something that Andy Reid has done in Kansas City, and it's why Kansas City continues to struggle. I mean, that was a that was an abysmal performance against Green Bay. Um, but what I think the difference is here is that Sean McDermott is going to get Brian Dabble in a room, and he's going to say, I need you to run the football more. I need you to rely a little bit more on guys like Cole Beasley. I think Dawson Knox coming back, uh, hopefully coming back from that hand injury, is going to really change the way they can attack the middle of the field. Because when teams use that cover two, uh, which is what they've been using against Kansas City, is the, the way to attack cover two is to work the middle of the field. So your slot receiver, your tight end, and your running backs become really important. Um Buffalo is equipped to do these things, with especially with Dawson Knox coming back. Um, I think they need to lean on Cole Beasley a little bit more. Um, I think they need to lean on Zach Moss in the pass game a little bit more. And I think Devin Singletary needs to be involved in the run game. He was very productive when he did get some play against Jacksonville last week. So when I look at this, um, they're going to fix this problem because they have a head coach who's willing to uh, swallow his pride and say, we need to adjust, and I think they'll do that. What do you think, Zach? I'm right there with Matt. Um, the schedule, looking at the schedule thing, I mean, they can only beat the people that they play. Um, and they beat them pretty handedly. And that's what you want to see out of a team that's supposed to be as good as the Bills, you know, clobbering the Texans and the Dolphins and things like that. Um, but I also, to Matt's point, I believe they'll turn it around because they've been there before. They were in the same situation last year if you remember the the cheat or the the bills were you know like five and or it was like six and two at the point at this point and people still weren't sure about the bills up until then um and they had that was the hell murray game where they blew two fourth quarter leads and then the, against the seahawks they ran the ball like nine total times in the game and they had a bye week coming up. And those two games back-to-back made it clear, like, this team needs to figure out how to run the ball. If it's not not for right, not to be good right now in the month of November, but to be good in, in December and January. And they came back after the bye week, and they ran it down the Chargers' throat to a 10-point victory. So they were in this. Brian Dable gets into these, these, these modes where he gets entranced by Allen. He calls the game strictly only through Josh Allen. And it's like Sean McDermott needs to come through and, you know, wake them up from it. And I think that's going to happen this time. They were in the exact same position last year. It is kind of disheartening that they're in it again this year, Have should have having learned from last year. Um, but I think that, you know, like Matt said, McDermott's identification, this is, a, this is an issue. 
goes a long way into figuring goes a long way into figuring it out. So I think they'll be fine. They are. I mean, the offense to your but to your point, Bill, the offense is a little overrated. You know, um, the only real threat on that offense is Stephon Diggs, and he's not like the Tyreek Kill game breaker either. So there's a lack of the the offensive talent is a little bit overrated. Um, but I think they get it they get it sorted out before the playoffs for sure. Yeah, I, the the one comment that I'll make is, you know, I I feel like when they put too much only on the Josh Allen, they're not there's not not as good of a football team, and and I just it seems to me like they're up until this point from a play calling perspective, they really haven't had any interest in running the ball. I don't necessarily know if they can or not, if, or if that's just by design. They just think that they've got a better chance of moving the ball via the air all the time. Um, but I, I'll read off the next five games here. You're at the Jets, you're home against the Colts, you're at the Saints, you're home against the Patriots, and you're at the Buccaneers. I would not be surprised, and you know, you heard it here first, folks. I would not be surprised if they don't go one and four or wow. two and three in those games. Um, they'll probably beat the Jets, but then again, they probably should have beaten the Jaguars. Um, but I think the Colts may may present a little bit of a challenge for them um, with with how hot their running game is. I think the Saints defense is going to give them problems. Um, I throw out the records anytime the Patriots play the Bills, I mean, just just by by dint of the rivalry. Um, And I don't think they're as good of a team as the Buccaneers. Um, so I'm, I'm forecasting a little bit of a midseason swoon for the bills. Now they, they, they finish off with a pretty easy schedule. The last four games they are going to make the playoffs. They'll be fine. Um, but, but I'm, I'm predicting some, some, uh, some dire times, um, in the next month or so for, for the bills. Well, that would you've got to think they're going to be favored in probably four of those five games. Everything but the Bucks. So they'll, you're thinking they're going to be upset a lot because yeah. every other team they should, you know, or I'm assuming Vegas will think they should win. Right. Yeah. And I and I and I think that too. But um, I I think that there's something to be said when you can't in game adjust to the fact that that you can't move the ball in the Jaguars, who nobody's confusing with the '85 Bears. I understand that you know you're going to go back and 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 look at some things, but one of the hallmarks of a good coach, and I do think Sean McDermott is a great coach, um, but one of the hallmarks of a good coach is being able to adjust in game. And you can't tell me with the talent that the, the Bills had that they would could not have figured out the the Jaguars defense, um, who's you know got a couple. I mean, Josh Allen, the the t- defensive player, you know, is is a good piece, but there's no reason why they should have ever lost that game. I think that that uh, Sean McDermott gives a lot of autonomy to Brian Dable, and you know I probably at halftime McDermott was probably like, "Hey, like get this shit figured out," and expected him to figure it out. And I think when that goes, um, you know, when the, the issues persist, that's when Sean McDermott gets involved. Because I, I don't think Sean wants to scare off Brian Dable. I mean, he got interviewed for head coaching jobs, and yeah. the last thing you want to do is get in this guy's kitchen all the time and scare him away. I think he gives a lot of autonomy, but when he gets involved, I think that's when you're going to see the offense called you know the way the the bills organization wants to be run essentially so yeah i I think the component here that that a lot of people are missing is the bills lost zach moss i think in the first quarter of that game um and they kind of leaned on on devin singletary they weren't really running the ball a whole heck of a lot um the dawson knox factor i think is a very big one when you saw this offense flourish early in the season, um, probably culminating in that blowout victory over Kansas City. He was a huge component of that game. Um, the piece that does need to 
change and it's kind of the linchpin to making this offense go is Stefan Diggs needs to be better. Yeah. Stefan Diggs needs to be the type of player that he was last year to garner that extra attention because if you start getting those those two high safeties and one of them is you know, really focused on bracketing a guy who's as explosive as Stefan Diggs, that's going to open up a lot more for Cole Beasley. It'll open a lot more for those running backs in the passing game. Um, and it'll open a lot more for Emmanuel Sanders, who has kind of disappeared over the last couple of weeks. Um, so I think, you know, the combination of the run game, the uh, additional focus on the two playmakers in Knox and Beasley in the middle of the field, and Stefan Diggs stepping up his game, is really going to change this offense and make it look a lot more dynamic and a lot more dangerous. Um, and I trust that Sean McDermott and Brian Dabble will figure that out. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say to add on to your point, Matt, which I thought you hit the nail on the head there, was we, you know, when we picked our, you know, season previews, no one picked the Buffalo Bills to go 15, or sixteen and one or fifteen and two. You know, I had New England winning the division, I believe. So we all we didn't expect you know, roses and butterflies the entire year, these teams are going to hit rough, rough spots. And I think we have to not overreact when that happens. So I think that the bills will get better though. They have the coaching staff, like Matt said with his original point, they have the coaching staff and the infrastructure, unlike Kansas city to actually get over this problem. Yeah, the, their offense is not a scramble drill, and that's what Kansas City's <laughs> offense is. It's just a scramble drill, and the the coach hasn't adjusted. They haven't adjusted the run game. I mean, Kansas City is going to continue to to just flounder. Um, but you know, we're talking about all these AFC teams, and you know, there's a point. Bill and I are watching the Monday Night Football game together. Um, seeing the ever-flawed Steelers um, in that game against the Chicago Bears, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But this year reminds me so much of the 2005-2006 season where Pittsburgh ended up beating um, Seattle, Seattle in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 40. Um, and that year, if you go back through, um, there were only six teams that made the playoffs back then, but the the one through six seeds in the AFC, like the, the, the sixth seed in the AFC was Pittsburgh. And that Pittsburgh team was better than literally any team yeah. that made the playoffs on the NFC side. I think this is a reverse kind of year. When I look at the AFC, I don't think any of these teams stand up to – I don't think any of these teams would even be playoff teams in the NFC. Really? I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that, but I think maybe if you moved Buffalo and maybe – man, I would potentially Tennessee could be wild card teams in the NFC – but when I look at the strengths of these two conferences, I don't think anybody in the AFC matches up very well. I'm still not sold on the Titans yet. I don't. They're seven and two. I just, it's. I don't know what. I don't know what the issue is. But no, I think you're right. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at the teams now, and um, yeah, I mean, you get through top five in the NFC, you get down to the Cowboys. It's the Cardinals, Packers, Rams, Buccaneers, Cowboys. I wouldn't say anyone in the AFC is better than any of those teams. Yeah, yeah, my my line is kind of, you know, Cowboys and Seattle with Russell Wilson. That's sort of the line that I that I compare yeah. the Chiefs and the Bills to. That's right around the same same place I would have them ranked. Yeah, so maybe just edging out, they'd be a wild card team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Pitt- Pittsburgh, who is, um, I would say Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati are all teams that could potentially make the playoffs coming out of the AFC North in particular. Um, but if you move any of those teams to the other conference, I mean, they're below 500 teams. 
Well, I would say certain divisions. I think, for example, just taking the Steelers, I think the Steelers finished dead last in the in the NFC West, um, but maybe they've got a decent shot in, in uh, maybe the NFC East. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think they're a, they're a mediocre borderline playoff team, which is you know kind of where they're at in the AFC, but um, maybe in a little bit better of shape, I guess. And I have a lot of faith in the Ravens still. Um, I think they, they obviously Lamar Jackson's a world beater. And when he is playing uninhibited, can beat any team. And I think the defense will figure it out. I think they have a long enough season where the secondary will get its shit together. So I still have faith in the Ravens. But to your point, Matt, I wouldn't put them as anything more than like a seventh, like a seventh seed. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But, but sort of segueing, um, we talked a little bit about the Pittsburgh-Chicago game. One thing I wanted to bring up. What a travesty Ugh. in officiating that, that Monday night football game was. The the call on Cassius Marsh, um, the low block that took away a Justin Fields touchdown pass to I think it was Cole Komet. Yeah. Um, no, or maybe I mean, Jimmy Grant. I don't know. Well, it doesn't my, matter. It was one of yeah, it was one of those guys. Um, but I mean, absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous calls by these officials. Um I don't know what needs to change or how they can fix this, but the officiating quality in the NFL is at an all-time low, in my opinion. Well, the point, the larger point I want to make about this is that this goes back to my point a couple episodes ago where the NFL needs a proactive commissioner. There's too much of this happening right now where controversy is pushing the, the commissioner and league office into doing things. The commissioner, this has been a problem all year. And, you know, Goodell should have come out earlier. And oh, I don't know if you want to come out and say, but there needs to be mechanisms at work behind the scenes um, that he like that he like details fans about, like officiating schools or I don't or programs or, or some or at least to talk you know directly to the fans about why things are officiated. This was this game was so bad. This is the first time he talked to uh, fans as to why a call was made for the first time all season. Um, and I just think it's unacceptable. This this is my larger point of you know the the commissioner needs to be better on a lot of these things. Um, I know that's kind of away from what you were talking about, but that's leads into a larger issue for me. Yeah, honestly, I think, and again, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but the whole point of emphasis thing, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Call the the calls on the field. Don't don't say, oh well, I'm really going to be on the lookout for taunting. Because, listen, taunting is one of those things that does not affect the outcome of a play. And I honestly, I feel like unless it's completely egregious, which that most certainly was not, um, you can't throw the flag in that situation. Um, and, and honestly, there needs to be there needs to be to be some accountability for, for that type of thing. I mean, that that easily could have swayed the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and and it's not hard. I mean, none of this is hard. I mean, there, there's there's a couple really quick rule tweaks that would really you know improve the game. The the the, the pass interference stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that that should be like college. It should be 15 yards. I have no idea why you're going to give up. You know, a f- field flipping play on a on a penalty that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, the point of emphasis on the on taunting, like I don't care. And listen. The other thing that that the NFL needs to kind of figure out is who we actually want to be here. Um, you know, you're you're talking about oh well, we've got to set an example for the like setting the the example for the kids. And meanwhile, 
you're, you've got Henry Ruggs, now granted he was cut, and you know, but he's he's you know out you know driving with twice the legal blood alcohol limit and all that type of stuff, and you know, at, at a certain point, you need to police yourself in different ways. If the league's interested in protecting its image, maybe you've got some bigger fish to fry than whether somebody is staring at an opposing sideline. Um, I, I just think it's I just think it's silly, um, you know, and, and it, it, I understand the the plays that are that that are directly impactful or, or, or the actions that are directly impactful of a play, you know, like holding or whatever. Um, but this type of stuff changes games absolutely needlessly. Um, so I, I think, I think the role is fine, but it, but having it be a point of emphasis is asinine. And it's so weak, in my opinion, when people use the "it's about the kids" excuse for anything, because you could you could shoehorn that in anywhere, and that's just so weak. Like these hypothetical kids who are living and breathing on these guys who talk, it's just it's ridiculous. It is so weak. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a ridiculous excuse as well. Um, the the po- the point with taunting that Bill made that I agree with um, pretty vehemently is. This needs to be egregious. If you're going to call a 15-yard penalty on something like, it better be obvious and blatant that this was, you know, out of line. Because to be honest with you, I don't think the majority of the players in the league are going to do something that that really should warrant a 15-yard taunting penalty. I just uh, there's very few examples that I can think back on and say like, oh yeah, that guy that was out of line, right? Yeah. Um. The the other component that that Bill brought up that um, absolutely needs to be changed, this pass interference uh, penalty since it's changed, which I think was a few my goodness probably almost ten years ago at this point in time. Um, why is there not a tiering of pass interference penalties like there is like in the NBA of like flagrant fouls or in the NHL where like you get two minutes for high sticking but you have four minutes if you draw blood. Yeah. Like if 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 it's a ticky tack like oh I held the guy's arm or I you know I I jammed him for too long past the five yard limit and and the ball gets thrown you know deep downfield the guy just happens to be running a deep route and all of a sudden that's a 40-yard penalty, um, I think it should be a 10-yard penalty unless it's like absolutely egregious, like a guy just you know careens into somebody before the ball's even close to getting the, there. The Rams-Saints game. Yeah, or they just tackle. The, like the, the DB gets beat. They know they get beat, but it's better than giving up the touchdown. They just they grab the guy's ankles and they tackle the guy before the ball's even, you know, while the ball's still, you know, 25 feet in the air like that kind of stuff then okay yeah you want to give them a spot foul give them a spot foul on something like that egregious but if it's like some of these calls are you know there's as much offensive pass interference as there is defensive pass interference Mm -hmm. and you're gonna go ahead and the offense only loses the offense only loses i think 10 yards on on opi but the defense can lose up to i mean my goodness 60 70 yards so what would happen if if you know the 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 NFL came out and were like well we calculated how far the receiver ran it was OPI so since he ran twenty yards we're moving the offense twenty yards back like that's never going to happen 
right? Because it inhibits scoring and things like that. And I think that's the the rationale behind the rules. Like, oh, we want to get more more scoring and more stuff like that. But it's not fair to the defense. It makes these defenses um, have to play with their with their you know left handed or with an arm tied behind their back. It's just it's become ridiculous. The taunting even makes it even worse. Um, but you know, it, it did change the outcome of the Monday night game, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, the other thing I'd like to see if we're going to talk about point of emphasis, how about we make it a point of emphasis to throw less flags? How about if if we have a, a metric for these officials to say, okay, your goal is to throw, I don't know, 40% flags, you know, 40% less flags than last year. I mean, that would be a great point of emphasis because it would, it would speed the game up. It would make it much more watchable. I mean, my gosh, it's so hard to watch these games sometimes, especially that Steeler game on Monday night because oh. – every play there's laundry on the field and it's like i mean this is just not even a a really good viewer experience right so you know nfl i'm sure you're listening roger um just make that a point point of emphasis like only call the super flagrant stuff and just go from there and it showed that it worked to a certain degree last year because coming into the COVID season they the league office made it a point of emphasis to say hey don't call as many holding penalties as you did because offensive you know the offensive lineman didn't have a training camp essentially and um and it worked it it, it worked and um i like your idea bill uh, originally of 15 yards for defensive pass interference Yes, that helps. That's t- that's tilted toward the defense, but in all honesty, there's not much else in today's game that is tilted towards the defense. I don't think providing them an advantage here or there is going to kill the game. I think it'll. I think people will actually like to see a little bit more defense played. I, for one, am one of them. Uh, and yeah, your pace of game thing is 100% right. You know, people. You know, baseball is going through a crisis right now because they feel like their game is too slow. And football's not any faster. There's less action in football than baseball. And uh, it, when you have flags in the field every play, it makes it, like you said, Matt, completely unwatchable. So something, but again, Roger has to be proactive about this and just cannot continue being driven to action only by controversy. It's a terrible way to lead uh, organization as large as the NFL. I agree wholeheartedly. For sure. For sure. You guys want to get um, into some game picks? I don't know. We can t- or is there anything else you want? You guys want to talk about? The the only other big story that we should probably touch on is the uh, is the Odell to the Rams deal. Uh. Um, I think this is a. I don't know if we want to spend a ton of time because personally, I find this to be overblown. Everyone's like, "Greatest show on turf, part no. two. Like, no, Odell's not going to change them into that. Um, he can't rush the passer, so he's not going to save them for their biggest flaw. Um, <laughs> so I. I personally like I think this kind of screws up uh, for Van Jefferson fantasy owners. I think it kind of changes the game. It may take two or three targets away from Robert Woods fantasy owners. I mean, Cooper Cup is still going to be just funneled targets because that's what Matt Stafford wants to do. Um, I don't think he solves a ton of problems on the Rams. I don't think he's as dynamic as he once was. Um, This to me is like a very middling like, okay, cool. They did that sort of deal. Um but that's my opinion on the Odell thing. Um, Bill, what are your thoughts? Because I do have a little, I have a few thoughts on this actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't have a, a, a hell of a lot more to add than that. I mean, I think 
Odell Beckham made zero impact as the Browns' number one wide receiver when everybody was counting on him. I, I sincerely doubt the impact he's going to have on a Rams team that already has Cooper Cup, who could potentially be the MVP of the league, uh, and Robert Woods, who's a highly competent receiver, uh, in addition to some of the other you know pieces that are around them. Um, I, I, honestly, I think o, Odell is probably a, a, a bit player. You know, maybe he draws some coverage, but honestly, he's not the same guy that he was with the Giants. Um, and I think that anybody that thinks that this puts the Rams over the top, I don't see that. I, I, I think the, the Von Miller uh, trade last week was at least twice as impactful yes. as, as this is going to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, congratulations. You ruined Van Jones or Van. Um, Van Jefferson's day, but other than that, I, I don't, it doesn't really move the needle that much for me. So I thought this was really interesting. I don't, I don't think it's going to move the needle at all. I was really annoyed when I heard this news. Um, it, I it came together really quick, and the Rams weren't one of the teams that was listed as a, a destination for him. So I'm really curious as to how this came together. Who talked to who, and who recruited who, and was this thrown on McVay by a front office that's super aggressive right now? I don't know. That could impact things down the line, you know, if there's a couple ineffective weeks uh, to a point that I'll get to eventually. Um, but I, it's a weird fit because this offense expects their receivers to do the little things, the nitty-gritty blocking, uh, chipping in on the run game. You know, they have a – and it's talked about ad nauseum during these primetime games, but they have a scoreboard for who can lay the better blocks and who can be more involved in the run game. And that's just not a – that's not a culture that Odell, I believe, is going to fit uh, really well, and John Johnson, even the 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 current Brown safety who played for the Rams last year, he made a comment about him going to Los Angeles, uh, Odell going to Los Angeles, and he just said, "I thought it was odd." He goes, "The offense flows through Cooper Cup, the screen game, the run game, everything," and he was surprised that they went to the Rams, and he didn't know how it was going to work out. Um, you know, the, the issue with the Rams offense isn't talent. It is Matthew Stafford relies too heavily on Cooper Cup. And this Odell trade doesn't change any of that. I think Odell is the role. If he's okay with this, which I doubt he is, his best role in this offense is like the Michael Gallup role in the Cowboys offense, where you stretch the field. It's your job on these plays to serve as like a third or fourth option. And you take the top off the defense. And that is pretty much all you do. There is not, and don't bitch about it. Um, but that's, that would be his best role in this offense. Um, and I think that this could end if this was a move thrown on McVay by the front office, I think this could be a move that Odell, once we get in the playoffs, you I would not be surprised if there's a surprise inactive or two, uh, for, uh, healthy inactive for him uh, designation once or twice when, when they get in the playoffs. Just an odd fit, super annoyed because this has no upside for any but for, for this team whatsoever, I don't think. So. Agreed. And the other component of this is um, you mentioned the, the fixation on Cooper Cup being a problem. I will mention the problem that the Rams have is just the lack of run game. Yeah. Um, they're not leaning on the run game, and that's what's made them successful in years past. You think about Todd Gurley in their Super Bowl year, um, how successful Cam Akers was last year. 
but they need to start using the combination of Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle uh, in a more frequent manner um, to open up some of those run lanes. Like this is the same problem we talked about with Buffalo. These teams just neglect the run too much um, and try to force these quarterbacks into you know run and gun style of of offenses. Um, but let's not forget that uh, Odell Beckham is a renowned team ruiner. Yes. Yeah. I mean, go back to his time in New York. He was you know obviously an enormous distraction action in Cleveland um, and I think he caused a lot of problems for Baker Mayfield um, behind the scenes of like not getting the ball and potentially having some, you know whether it's passive aggressive commentary or you know whatever at least Baker seemed to feel the need to force the ball to Odell um, or made him jittery in his reads when he was when Odell was on the field um, I mean they literally had I think one game like a Thursday night game against um, Cincinnati last year that they were actually productive together um, so I just the 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 Juice is not worth the squeeze for me in terms of what Odell brings to the offense and the potential um, issues and drama that he could bring to to the Rams locker room. If I were Sean McVay and, and the coach of the Rams, which obviously I'm not, I would say to Odell, one comment, one slumped shoulders, one sideways look. If I hear your sixth cousin twice removed from marriage bitched for a second on Twitter, you're inactive that game and you're cut the week. Like I would say there is a zero tolerance policy on anything that could be construed as culture ruining. I like it. Yeah. That's pretty aggressive. <laughs> I mean, I love but, it. But you have such a cult and your ship is so well run at this point. If you're the Rams, you, you can't afford to be that tight ass when it comes to it. You know, mm-hmm. like you are, this is your last Lego Dell. You flame out of here, no one's going to want you. So yeah. if you fuck this up, pardon my French, I'm getting passionate right now because I am a Rams fan. If you screw this up, like you're out. We don't care. We are not, we want to win the Super Bowl. We are not trying to get Odell Beckham targets. Like that is not the goal of this season. So when you yeah. have a, a culture like that, I think you can, you know, be a, you know, a little tight with it. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I'm um, all worked up now. Yeah. One, one last thing to maybe cool down before we jump into some <laughs> rapid fire picks. Um, uh, Cam Newton, boomerang back in Carolina. Um, Sam Darnold, not looking like things are going to work out for him with Matt rule. Um, any thoughts on cam coming back? I think it's a decent move. I mean, I think that he's got familiarity with, with some of the personnel there. Uh, Darnold clearly, and I'm not sure how much the injury has affected him, but uh, you know, even early in the year, he looked great, but he looked great against some really bad teams. Um, I think it's probably time to accept that Sam Darnold is probably he's probably got the ceiling of a journeyman backup quarterback, a la a Colt McCoy type. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's just a rich man's Colt McCoy at this point. Not that there's anything wrong with Colt McCoy; he's a he's a good player too. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm with you. I mean, the the Panthers the problems with the Panthers offense is they couldn't push the ball downfield, and Sam Darnold couldn't stop turning the ball over. And Cam Newton has not been known for having super glue his fingers, and he's not really known these days for a deep pass. So I don't know how much of an upgrade it really is. It is a fun story. Uh, I don't know if it gets him to play a whole hell of a lot better though. Yeah, I think I think it's a fun story. I think um, one thing with Cam is he still has. I mean, he still's he still has his legs. Um, I mean, he was pretty productive in terms of the run game, you know, whether that is something that, you know, he's maintained over the break. And I know he's had some injuries and things like that, but uh, I'd like to see if maybe Matt rule can be a little bit creative with him in the run game. 
Um, you know, maybe he adds a new element to that offense that Sam Darnold doesn't necessarily bring. Um, and, you know, hey, let's see if Cam's got anything left in the tank. Um, this is kind of an audition for Cam. There's going to be a lot of quarterback openings coming up in the next uh, next season, yeah. um, whether you're talking about Pittsburgh, Carolina, Washington football team, you know, just lay out the cards here. There's going to be a lot of job openings, and there's not a great quarterback class coming out in 2022 there's probably three or four guys um based the way it's looking right now um that are borderline first round guys um a couple maybe i'd say two that are really sturdy first round guys two that might work their way into it um but it's a middling draft class so if cam wants to make an audition and you know maybe uh you know it'll be interesting to see him you know take his uh his hurrah yeah i'm with you Nothing too much more than a nice story for the yeah, Panthers. Exactly, exactly. Not a not a game changer. They're not going to make the playoffs, um, but you know, which I it'll saw, be interesting to watch. I think I heard Rich Eisen talk about uh, how he pulled up the schedule and was like talking about Panthers could make. It's like stop, stop. No, no, it's going to be rough. It's going to be <laughs> rough for them. But Matt Rule's still a good coach. The rebuild is still in progress. We'll see how it all pans out. But with that said, it is eight twelve on Thursday. We need to get our Thursday night pick in before kickoff, <laughs> which is in uh, all of eight minutes. So let's kick off our picks. Uh, Baltimore visiting the Miami Dolphins. Baltimore favored by seven and a half. What are we on, fellas? Since you won't hear this, since no one will hear this before the game plays, I'll just say Ravens. They cover. And hope I'm right. Yeah, give me Ravens to cover as well. Um, just Miami. It, it, it would have been different if Tua was maybe playing and they had all the receivers healthy. They don't, um, and Baltimore's hard to run on um, uh, Baltimore pretty easily. Yeah, I don't think it matters whether it's Tua or whether it's um, um, Jacoby Brissett. Um, Baltimore's going to be able to run the football, whether it's Lamar, um, Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, Tyson Williams, um Jamal Lewis, whoever, <laughs> um, Priest Holmes, Priest Holmes, don't don't matter. They're gonna be able to run the football. Um, this will be a, a, a yeah. Uh, well, no, maybe not so much. Willis McGahee, yeah, Willis McGahee, yeah, Willis, Willis McGahee. There you go. What about um, that weird? Who was the guy with the weird uh, running back? The name they had it was um, Buck Buck Allen Buck Allen. Oh, Javorius. Oh, Allen, Javorius AKA Buck, Buck Allen. Allen Bernard Pierce. Yeah. Yeah, J.K. Sorry, Dobbins with a torn ACL. Yeah, J.K. Oh. Dobbins on crutches would run for for 100 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, Gus Edwards with a torn Achilles. I mean, it doesn't matter in their their cemetery of running backs. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. We're all in Baltimore. Um, we're going to rapid fire these a little bit quicker than we have in the past. So um, next one, and I'm sorry, AFC South uh, matchup: Jacksonville coming off the upset of the Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis coming off of a trouncing of the New York Jets. Indy favored by ten and a half. I wavered on this one. Uh, it's tempting to take the Jags here, but the more I think about it, they played an all-world game, and I don't know if they get that same effort against a, a Colts team that can just run the ball down your throat. So Colts minus 10.5. Uh, I, I, I kind of think the spread is a little wide here. Yeah. I, I think that I, I, Indy wins this game, um, but I think, I think the Jags cover. Uh, James Robinson probably coming back. Um, you know, I think they've got a little momentum defensively, uh, too. And, and, you know, listen again, they're not the 85 bears defensively, but, but Josh Allen looks like a, a potential star in the making. Um, so yeah, give me, give me the, the, the Jags to only lose this one by, uh, I'll call it five. 
Yeah, this is one of those ones where Zach and I are in agreement. Bill's our Lone Ranger, and Bill ends up being right. <laughs> yeah. um, but with that being said, I'm still going to go with Indianapolis. I think the big difference here is that uh, Indianapolis's ability to run the football makes that Jaguars defense have to sit back and think. They can't just rush the passer every single play. Um, so I think Indy's run game will be able to control the football, control the game. Um, I'm going to go with Indy, even though I have a, a weird feeling that Bill's going to be uh, the know. lone the lone green spot on the spreadsheet for this particular pick. It'll annoy me more because I had Jags plus 10 half written down, and I'm going against myself. So, yeah, it'll be the ultimate annoying game. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, next one, we got an interesting matchup. Um, Cleveland coming off of the upset um, and you know getting their heads right after the debacle against Pittsburgh and the Odo Beckham drama. They're going to New England to face Bill Belichick. New England only favored by one and a half. Um, I'll start us off here. I am going to go with New England. Uh, Bill Belichick this year has shown his ability to um, take young quarterbacks or quarterbacks that have questionable decision-making like Sam Darnold and company. Um, I don't consider Baker Mayfield so much better than Sam Darnold. Um, And I think um, this defense is going to be able to confuse Baker. Nick Chubb is potentially out of this game. Um, You're looking at Ernest Johnson and some other guy they're probably going to have to pick up. Um, Belichick's going to make them play left-handed. They're going to take away the run game, um, make Baker beat them with Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry, and Rashard Higgins. Uh, That, against this New England defense, does not frighten me. Um, So I think New England is going to win this game. Mac Jones plays good, um, you know, sound football, protecting the football, mistake-free, game-manage, run the football. I think Damian Harris is going to be healthy in this game, but even if he isn't, um, I have a good feeling about New England in this one. I feel like this game is going to be like watching paint dry um, just because I, I feel like both defenses match up extremely well against both offenses, uh, especially as uh, to Matt's point with, uh, with Chubb uh, potentially being out. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Cleveland here though. And, and the reason is I, I think that they've got a better shot to put up points. Um, Dar- Darius Johnson played extremely well, um, you know, in that Thursday night game a couple weeks back. Um, they don't have Odell, but honestly, I think it's addition by subtraction. Um, I think people's Jones, um, you know, could maybe bust, bust a long, long catch again, like he did last week. Um, and, and I think that Cleveland defense is just playing really, really well right now. Um, I, I give me Cleveland, give me Cleveland in the points. I'm taking new England for a lot of the reasons Matt said, I will say this about the Odell Cleveland thing. If the uh, disgruntled wide receiver who really didn't act out was what was keeping you from looking like that all season, you have larger issues because buckle up. Like, that Super Bowl run is going to give you a lot more adversity than a guy who just wants the ball. So, Patriots minus two and a half or whatever the spread is. Yeah, one and a half. Um, Cool. Um, I think a big factor as well is the games in New England. The other game that we have coming up here, uh, Atlanta against Dallas. Uh, Dallas favored by nine. Uh, Atlanta actually coming off an upset victory over New Orleans. Dallas coming off of a really, really bad performance um, considering how well they've played this year against the Denver Broncos. What are you guys thinking? I mean, tough spot for the Falcons. You get a Cowboys team who wants to come out and just throttle whoever they play based on what happened last week. And Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, has probably been working on this game plan since he got hired uh, this year. So I think he's going to throw things at the Falcons because um, he would love nothing more to beat than the team that fired him. So I'm going Dallas minus nine or whatever the spread is. 
Yeah, it's Dallas minus nine. I'm I'm actually going to go with Atlanta to cover. I think Dallas will win this game. Um, I did not like what I saw. I I do wonder if uh, Dak is being hampered or for maybe what the injury that kept him out of the Sunday night game against Minnesota. Um, maybe he's still bugging him a little bit. He just didn't look quite like um, the Dak Prescott we'd seen in the early going of the season. I still think Dallas will lean on the run game. I still think they'll win the game, um, but I do think this is closer than we expect. Um, so I'll take Atlanta in the points. I'm going to take Atlanta in the points as well. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a, a back and forth game um, for as much press as Dallas's defense have, has gotten, you know, by, by metrics wise, they're really not that good. Um, they've had a couple of really splashy plays, but um, I, I think Atlanta is going to be able to move the ball. I think Cordero Patterson has a monster game um, in, in this one. Um, it'll be interesting to see the, the matchup and how often uh, out of the backfield he gets matched up on Micah Parsons and who wins that particular matchup. Um, but I think that uh, Dallas will find a way to win. I also like Tony Pollard a lot in this game. Uh, for some reason, uh, Zeke's been a little bit hampered, I think, by some injuries. But I am very concerned about Dak's injuries uh, as well because I do think that that's playing a factor. Um, I, I like Dallas to win, but I like Atlanta to cover here. All right. One on Dallas, two on Atlanta. Not the way I thought that one was going to go. <laughs> Um, our next game is an AFC East showdown. We have Buffalo, uh, who Bill thinks has serious problems. Zach and I are, you know, holding withholding judgment against the New York Jets, who are absolutely demolished by Jonathan Taylor. Um, Buffalo favored by thirteen and a half. Um, I don't care how big the spread is. Um, the Jets suck. And, and I, I hate to be that blunt, but I've not seen a run defense that pathetic. Um, Robert Salah has a lot of work. C.J. Mosley looks slow, mm. uh, does not look like the same player coming off of the, the COVID season that he took off. Um, he just doesn't, doesn't look good. This this defensive line is porous as porous can come. Um, I have a feeling that whether it's Josh Allen's legs, whether it's Devin Singletary or Zach Moss, combination of the three, I think Buffalo uh, is going to work on getting their run game right. Uh, and this is the perfect opportunity to – it's almost going to be like a practice um, wow. scrimmage for them. Okay. Uh, the focus on the run game makes me think this game could be kept within the spread because I think the Bills are going to come out and want to establish this run against a team that the Colts ran for like 200-some yards on. That being said, I will be the sucker, I will be the donk, and I will take the Bills uh, minus the spread. Well, I guess if I if I'm the one that says the Bills have serious problems, I kind of have to pick the Jets, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I think Buffalo will win this game for sure. Again, not not disputing that, but. The Jets, the Jets have a chance to cover here, um, and I think that the point that you made, Zach, um, has a lot to do with that. If if Buffalo is going to try to to establish a run and slow the game down, that may lend itself to a um, uh, a result that that is within the spread, um, and that's a lot of what I'm hanging my hat on here when I pick the Jets. Uh, I think that that. I think Mike White, for some reason, just energizes that group. Uh, I think he's going to be starting again, and I and I think that that gives him a little juice. They are at home. Um, I think 
Michael Carter is a star in the making. Um, I think he's. I, I think he doesn't have a lot of success running the ball, but I I like him to have. Uh, I maybe seven or eight catches in this game. Uh, Corey Davis looks like he's coming back. Elijah Moore finally is doing some stuff um, now that he's off my fantasy team and has been for like a couple of weeks. Um, I I think the Jets, they're not going to win this game, but I, I like them to, to lose by 10 uh, in cover. Okay. All right. Bill on the Jets. Surprising. Um, but okay, let's do it. Um, our next one, New Orleans uh, coming off the loss against the division rival Atlanta Falcons. Tennessee coming off an upset victory um, in pretty dominating fashion over the Los Angeles Rams. Tennessee favored by three. What do you guys got? Both these teams are super weird to me. I haven't had luck picking either of them. Uh, but I'll go with the Titans because I've seen more of a complete game from them more recently than I have the Saints. Um, and it comes down to who do I trust with you know as the court as a quarterback. And I will take Tannehill over Trevor Simeon seven days a week. So I'll take the Titans. The spread's kind of tight. Uh, but these teams have wild games. They played a couple years ago, and it was a wild game. So I expect to be completely wrong on this one. Um, I'm. This is my least confident game I'm picking this week. Tennessee minus three. Yeah, I like. Um, I like Tennessee too. Um, it maybe would have been a little bit of a different story if I knew that uh Jameis Winston wasn't hurt or if, if T- Taysom Hill started because I feel like that that would maybe change some things and Taysom Hill may, may still start I, I don't know um but I think for as much as uh Derrick Henry meant to the to the Titans I think Vrabel's doing the right thing by spreading the ball around to a couple different backs uh and realizing that he can't replicate Henry's workloads with with other guys cuz those guys are mortal and Derrick Henry <laughs> up until recently was not um I I think that they do enough I this could be one of those really ugly kind of games um you know but I I I like Tennessee uh in in this one I'm actually going to go with New Orleans here, and this is almost strictly a gut pick, um, but I think it comes down to my confidence in their defense. Um, I think A.J. Brown will be statistically um, pretty productive against this New Orleans defense, um, but I, when I look, you've got a, a Julio Jones who tweaked his hamstring yet again um, in today's practice. Um I'm not sure if those offensive linemen are going to be back. Uh, uh, Taylor Lewan was one of them. They also lost a guard against um, against Los Angeles. And this is a defense I think is going to give um, is going to give Ryan Tannehill some problems. Um, I don't trust Trevor Simeon either, uh, but I do think he can funnel the ball to Alvin Kamara. And if Kamara is out, um, I think that the Saints can establish the run with Mark Ingram um, in a better way. Uh, I think there's just a little more consistency uh, that we'll find on the New Orleans offense for some reason, just a gut pick, but I'm going to go with New Orleans here. All right. Next matchup is actually a playoff rematch where uh, teams just went a different direction after that matchup. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, traveling to visit the Washington football team. Tampa favored by nine and a half. Uh, no brainer here for me. I don't think anybody um, on Washington football team is going to be able to stop Tampa Bay. I think uh, Tampa Bay coming off of a bye week. Um, yeah, I don't see Washington football team putting up any real semblance of a fight here. Same here. I think the Bucks beat them pretty badly. I think Washington football team practiced during their bye week. That was the rumor going into it, which I'm sure Antonio Gibson's shin loved. Uh, but I'm going Bucks minus the spread. 
Yeah, I, I honestly, I would have liked Washington a little bit more, but I'm kind of surprised how small the spread is. Uh, I thought it'd be a little bit bigger, honestly. Um, for that reason, I'm going to go Tampa Bay here. Um, Washington's just a mess, um, and I don't think that's that's really going to change. I, I think T- Taylor Heineke might have some moments. I think it's a big Terry McLaurin game. Um, of course, if you start, if you have in fantasy, you're starting him anyway. But um, I think this is a good get right game for for Terry. But um, I, there's just too much on on Tampa Bay. Um, I, I like them to win this game pretty handily. Yep. So we are all in agreement on Tampa Bay here. Our next game, uh, Detroit 0-8 Detroit, um, visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, at Heinz Field. Pittsburgh coming off of that um, pretty wild Monday night game uh, where they underperformed yet again against lower competition. Uh, For that reason, um, I'm going to – sorry, the spread. Uh, Pittsburgh is favored by nine points here. I'm going to pick Detroit in this game, not to win it, um, but I can't remember the last time I saw Pittsburgh win by more than nine points. They have not done it this year. Um, so I think the spread is too big, uh, and Pittsburgh has a tendency to play down to their competition. Uh, there's no further down that you can go than Detroit. Um, so I'm going to go with Detroit to cover, but I do think Pittsburgh will win the game. I'm on Detroit uh, with the spread, too. This is just a game. I think they'll lose, but this is a game that the Steelers sometimes do lose outright, but the keep, they definitely keep it close than it should be. So I'm taking the Lions and the spread. Yeah, I was tempted to as well, but this is, you know, for as much as people talk about Steelers playing down to their level of competition, they are also good for one just like shellacking a year. <laughs> Normally it's the Browns, but the Browns have been too good. I think that they just shell the the, the Lions here. Um, I think Najee Harris could could total. It, honestly, I think Najee Harris could, could push for 150 to 200 yards um, of offense just by himself. I also think this is one of those games that Ben, you know, knows that he can throw up a bunch of stats. Um, he could throw a bunch of touchdowns in this game just because he just because he can. Um, I, I think I think the I think the Steelers win this by ten. Okay, I'd love I'd love that for Najee. I know you would. I would love it for for Ben because that's what I've been reduced to is picking up Ben Roethlisberger and starting his his one and a half arms. As your opponent, I thank you. Um, or I might not. Who knows? I've ne- there's no reason to get arrogant in fantasy football. It's just there's always some kind of craziness that can potentially happen. But anyway, um, we'll move on to two just very confusing teams for our next matchup. Um, I can envision this being an incredibly close game because both teams just play close games. That's what they do. Uh, Minnesota visiting the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers favored by two and a half. Um, I'm going with the Chargers because COVID is running through uh, the Minnesota locker room and what I hear and um, the whole Delvin Cook situation. You never know how it's going to affect a guy uh, and his play. So I'm going to go Chargers minus three. Yeah, I um, honestly, this is a really tough one to pick. I'm kind of surprised it's not just a, a straight pick them. Um, but I – it, 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 because I think these teams are so evenly matched, um, I'm just going to take the points. So I'll 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 take Minnesota plus. I, I've got them at plus three and a half. I don't know what you guys have, but um, give me Minnesota with the points. Yeah, if you go back and you look at uh, the power rankings, uh, the most recent ones that I put out are our second iteration. Um, I talked about a couple teams that I think have fatal flaws. Um, and San Francisco was one of them. Seattle was the other one. Um, Philadelphia, another one. I mean, Philadelphia has a lot of fatal flaws, but they have a, a particularly um, 
egregious one being their lack of run defense um the la chargers are in that category i do think this is their fatal flaw um it may not keep them out of the playoffs but it will certainly um keep them out of a deep playoff run uh this is a, an up-and-coming team i still love justin herbert i still love austin eckler i love their receiver core They've got a lot of things on offense, but this defense is really bad against the run. You've got Dalvin Cook, or even even if Cook is is mentally out of the game, uh, Alexander Madison can absolutely pick up the slack here. When um, when Minnesota can establish the run, Kirk Cousins plays better. Um, so I look for Minnesota to actually win this game. Fair enough. There. All right. Our next game, uh, we have Carolina. I'm assuming they're not going to be starting Cam Newton. Uh, Sam Darnold out. I think it's P.J. Walker is going to be the starter, at least for this particular week. Uh, They have Arizona coming into town. Arizona with quarterback uh, injury issues of their own. We're not entirely sure if Kyler Murray is going to play. Could be Colt McCoy once again, who put on a pretty nice showing against San Francisco last week. Um, Chase Edmonds out, so it's going to be the combination of Eno Benjamin uh, and James Conner, who's looked like a revelation in Arizona. Uh, Arizona favored by 10 what are we thinking i literally changed my mind as you were talking i had cardinals minus 10 and a half i'm gonna switch and go carolina plus 10 and a half i think this is maybe an offensive effort that because darnold isn't playing you have everyone kind of you know pick up their game the offensive line plays a little bit better um and and you have a a better looking offense you've had than you've had in recent weeks for the Panthers defensively the reason that the Cardinals got out to such a big lead is because James Conner ran the ball down the 49ers throat last week you're not going to be able to do that against uh, the Panthers the Panthers held a very good New England team to very little production on the ground and New England's MO is to run 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 so I'm actually I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points 10 and a half is a little bit too much and if you're taking away James Conner that's when I think you're gonna get the um Colt McCoy, and you're going to see reasons why Colt McCoy isn't a uh, isn't a rece- or isn't a, a starter anymore. So I'm going to go Carolina plus ten and a half. Yeah, I I'm tempted to do that too, Zach. Um, it, it really depends on if Kyler Murray plays or not for me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume he does not play because I feel like you know if you're if if you're the the Cardinals, you feel like you need to be able to beat the Panthers without him. Um, DeAndre Hopkins banged up, uh, Chase Edmonds banged up. I I get all that. Um, but the Cardinals are just such a better team overall than the Panthers, uh, right now. I get that they've had their quarterback issues, but again, the, the Panthers really survived early in the season by beating all the worst teams in the league, basically. Um, PJ Walker hasn't really shown anything in the time that he's had. I think that, that, uh, lends itself to why they had to sign Cam Newton. Um, I, I, I like the Cardinals to, to still win this game fairly handily, even if it's not James Conner, it could be a big, um, you know, Benjamin game, Rondell Moore game, something like that. Um, I, I think the Cardinals find a way to, to, to beat the Panthers pretty soundly. Yeah, I'm going to be on Arizona here, whether it's Colt McCoy or whether it's Kyler Murray, uh, whether DeAndre Hopkins plays or doesn't. Um, I think Arizona is uh, far and away the better football team. P.J. Walker um, in mop-up duty for Sam Darnold against the Giants completed three of 14 passes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's not an efficient passer. We watched him a little bit um, last year when they went against an abysmal Atlanta defense um, on Thursday night in relief of Teddy Bridgewater. 
he's a he's a fine enough backup uh this is not a starter quality um player which is why they went out and got cam newton um to me there's going to be a couple defensive touchdowns for arizona in this game um i doubt carolina can really move the ball outside of funneling short routes to christian mccaffrey and that's not a sustainable offense um give me arizona i think a week of prep might help pj walker i think it'll look a little bit better we'll see we'll see um next game we've got an interesting matchup two diva quarterbacks russell wilson uh in his messiah complex and aaron Rodgers in his uh scientific complex i'm not sure what to call that um green bay is favored by three and a half i will just you know we won't spend too much time but i am absolutely appalled by the way that matt lafleur called that game for jordan love against uh kansas city absolutely abysmal coaching uh by the green bay coach who's supposedly some kind of guru uh inability to lead on the run game despite the fact that both aaron jones and aj Dillon were averaging around four four and a half yards per carry um just dumb play calling through the ball over 30 times with jordan love um run pass ratio was off i just i think matt lafleur zach you've been a matt lafleur truther um i am quickly quickly rushing onto that bandwagon i love it i love it but anyway green bay favored by three and a half what are you guys thinking I'm taking Packers minus three and a half if Aaron Rodgers plays. If he doesn't, I have the right to change this. But as of right now, Packers minus three and a half. Well, wait a minute. We're, we're going with the <laughs> I have the right to change this? No. Yeah, we've, we've never done that. that. Okay. Nope, we've uh, never done that. you got to pick it. Uh, I think Rodgers is supposed to play. Okay, we'll go Green Bay minus three and a half. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna go... I'm going to go Seattle here uh, with Russell coming back. I feel like it energizes the entire offense. I still don't think Green Bay's defense is that that good. Um, with the uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, I, I I actually like Seattle to kind of run the ball over all over uh, the, the Packers. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Russ gives them a boost coming back. It's sufferable, though, he is. And, uh, and, and the Seahawks pull out a win. Yeah, I'm waffling a bit on this one. Um, you know, I think Green Bay's. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was gonna say COVID boy makes it tough to pick. You have no idea what Rogers is gonna do. It's a, it's it's a nearly impossible game to pick. Um, so never mind. That's what yeah. I was say. It, it's a hard one to pick. I think Green Bay should be able to run the football on Seattle. Um, I'm actually gonna pick Seattle, and the reason is I think Matt Lafleur is a bad coach. Oh, and, whoa. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to pick Seattle because Matt LaFleur is a bad coach. And despite the fact that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon should both go for over 100 yards against this terrible Seattle defense that his only good player is a really old Bobby Wagner, um, Matt LaFleur is not a good coach. Matt LaFleur is going to try to air it out. He's going to try to go for big plays. Um, and you know, outside Devonte Adams, they don't have anybody in the pass game. Um, so Green Bay, fatal flaw, their coach. Uh, that fatal flaw, worse than Seattle's fatal flaw of lack of run game. Um, so I'm on Seattle here. <laughs> you went from I'm almost joining you on your on the Matt Lafleur bandwagon to 30 seconds later joining me on the Matt Lafleur truth. I I jetpacked onto your bandwagon, <laughs> you my friend. Did. I love and I, it only took two seconds to strap that thing on and just flip the switch. I love it. Yeah. Um, oh, God. There would be such a great transition if we could just jump to the Monday night game, but we can't 
We always go in order, so uh, no, we'll okay. save. Whatever. Okay. No, nah, no, nah, it's okay. Uh, next game, Philadelphia against Denver. Denver favored by three. Um, I am going to easily throw a pick on Denver here, uh, whether it's Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams. Philadelphia cannot and will not stop the run. Um, Denver's by no means a perfect team, but I have a feeling that they will run all over this beleaguered Philadelphia defense. Uh, this game sucks. Broncos minus two and a half. I I have no rationale for why I'm doing this, but I'm going to pick the Eagles just because I have a gut, a gut feeling. Like, I, I can't explain it. I feel like like Jordan Howard's going to have a huge game for some reason. Like, I, I I don't know. This is probably a stupid pick, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Eagles here. Honestly, when you do that, you get it right like 75%. <laughs> I know. So. I just got a vibe. It always seems to be the Eagles that I'm picking. Yeah, I just got a feeling. I just got a yeah. feeling about the Eagles. Yeah, they do have a tendency to cover um, against teams that are way better than they are. Yeah. Um, but Nick Sirianni, also bottom five head coach. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just butchering coaches in this, this episode. Um, next one, uh, sticking with bad coaches, Andy <laughs> Reid, Kansas City, Las Vegas. Kansas City, finally, for the first time this year, Vegas has realized that Kansas City sucks. Really? I have minus two and a half. That's why I, that I know they're actually giving some oh. respect and saying it's not a 14 point spread for Kansas City. Vegas actually being like, hey, maybe this team might not actually be good. Um, so what do we got? I can't fucking believe this team is still favored. After all we've seen the past few weeks, they're still favored on the road. It blows my mind. Raiders minus two and a half. Why is this team still favored? I'm I'm with you. Raiders minus two and a half. Raiders are going to win this game. Kansas City sucks, and that's and their defense is terrible. Their entire offense remains a scramble drill. I don't care if Clyde Edwards or Alaire is coming back, or if it's Damian Williams, or if it's Priest Holmes. Second reference to Priest Holmes in this uh, podcast. Um, they're not going to run the football, even if they had. Priest Holmes. They're, they, they're not interested in that. All they want to do is run the Patrick Mahomes scramble drill. Uh, and Las Vegas is a more complete football team. They have a better defense. They have a better pass rush. Uh, they have a better run game that they can lean on. Um, even without Henry Ruggs, I think you have a nice day from Darren Waller, potentially. Uh, look for a nice day from Hunter Renfro. Um, I don't think Kansas City can stop anybody, and I don't think they're going to score more than 17 points in this game. Guys, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but this is the same Raiders team that just lost to the friggin' Giants. It's, it was this a, is no, it was a fluky loss. Well, the, uh, the, oh, the oh. Giants should have beat the Chiefs two weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, I I get that. Um, I this this could be the game where they decide. Listen, yeah, uh, let's just ride Derek Gore or something. It, the, <laughs> I have to Derek believe. Gore. That's right. I have to believe, because listen, it's not just that everybody's talking about this cover two shell thing, like people that don't even know what the hell that even is. Like, you have to, I have to think that Andy Reid, who's been in the NFL for, I don't know, 75 years, like he was he was there when Joe Biden was, was a senator too. Like, uh, he's got, I trust, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I trust Andy Reid to, to finally make some sort of adjustment. I think that oh God, I'm, I'm picking Kansas City, even though they have serious you have, problems. You have no proof that Andy Reid will adjust. There <laughs> yes. is no video <laughs> evidence of no Andy Reid adjusting in his 35-year career. 
the definition of an Bill. old dog learning new tricks. Insane. He's gonna adjust. He's gonna adjust, and I think the Raiders' uh, offense has some issues because Henry Henry Ruggs really did take the top <laughs> off of defenses. And if you're expecting Deshaun Jackson, although he can only run vertical routes anyway, just to come in and do that, I, I think it's like a very highly competitive game. But I think if the Chiefs win by win by three, then I'm good. So had a couple of HR jokes there, Henry Ruggs jokes. I'm gonna bypass though. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll skirt. We'll skirt by those. So let's see. We started. We started this train, this descent into madness with Green Bay. So Matt Four, bad coach. Nick Sirianni, bad coach. Andy Reid, bad coach. At least this season. And let's kick it off. Last one. Monday Night Football. Kyle Shanahan, bad coach. Oh, Rams minus four. I mean, the 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 49ers aren't aren't only in dealing with injuries. They also they also look uninspired, and they and they also lack talent at many spots. So, just I think the Rams come out and they have some mojo with Von Miller potentially playing, and they play pretty well. They uh, amend for their loss on Monday. Yeah, I can't see the Rams. I can't see the Rams dropping two two primetime games in a row. Uh, I, I I I'm kind of surprised it's only four. Um, I think the Rams win this one easily. Yeah, um, Kyle Shanahan should be fired. And 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 I hate to I hate to to say that because I do find his offensive scheme to be very good. Uh, this guy has proven during his tenure with the 49ers that he is nothing more than an offensive coordinator. He is an egomaniac who is ruining this franchise. I'm willing to go that far to say it. Um, he is a little bit smarter version of Matt Nagy, in my opinion. Um, this this guy is incapable of leading an NFL locker room. His players do not perform for him. We always talk about like quarterbacks bringing guys up, mm-hmm. like you know, elevating players. Um, coaches have an ability to do that too. And Kyle Shanahan cannot do it. Kyle Shanahan would be addition by subtraction. I would keep his scheme. I would keep all that kind of stuff. But this guy's personality is tearing this team apart. Um, his weird feuds with everyone. Um, this first first week, Brandon and I, you got the ball. And the only reason he got the ball was because Debo Samuel's leg hurt. Um this is this team is completely going to go off the rails. They do they have the fatal flaw of not being able to stop the run. Uh, he doesn't have Kyle Shanahan does not have the ability to lean on his defense um, because it's not a quality defense like it was two years ago. Um, he doesn't have the excuse of Jimmy Garoppolo being hurt and all the stuff that happened in 2020. Um, he's made bad personnel moves. He's made bad coaching moves. His uh, scheme is you know. Even the the innovative components of it, it's become one-dimensional. It's basically run the ball with Eli Mitchell, play action pass, try to find Debo Samuel. Um, defensive figured this out. Um, he, he should be fired. I mean, he's he's been a really bad coach this year. Um, and if you had, Zach, you've mentioned this before, if you looked at any other coach, uh, let's go with Joe Judge. If Joe Judge had Kyle Shanahan's record, Joe Judge is fired. Yep. So... That's my tirade on all these bad coaches in the last five picks. <laughs> I do want to explore the the Matt Lafleur turn, you know, the change in attitude with Matt Lafleur in an upcoming episode. Because I agree, yeah. I he is he is Mike Lafleur without Aaron Rodgers. Yep, I agree. I agree. That team is going to absolutely implode 
when Rogers leaves and they're left with Jordan Love. <laughs> so anyway, um, we are about ready to wrap up. Um, I know we got butchered on the Survivor last week. Zach and I both lost, both lost Buffalo. Bill somehow survived with Pittsburgh thanks to a couple taunting penalties. Um, and so this week, uh, what do we have? What what advice are we giving people that maybe they shouldn't take? Box. Go with the box. I feel like this is the safest one in a while. A couple weeks. Yeah. Box over Washington. Bill? I... Yeah, I think that's probably the safest one for me, too. Uh, no, uh, give, me, give me the Rams. The Ram- Rams will, will beat San Francisco. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to go with a different one. Tampa is definitely the one that I would pick if I were just, you know, picking. You can you can probably safely lean on Buffalo. I think they're going to adjust. Um, that's another one. But the one I'll, I'll, I'll lock in here is going to be Denver um, because I think Philadelphia's defense is just that bad. Um, so, yeah, I probably would go Buffalo, but I don't want to pick them for, like, I think three or four, three weeks in a row. So um, I'll change it up and go with Denver if you're looking for a sneaky one. There you go. All right. Good so stuff, fellas. Yeah, we sped through it. I like it. All right. Rapid fire picks. Some good discussion. Yes. Now we can go watch uh, the Ravens and the Dolphins. Dolphins. Hey, Justin Ugh. Tucker just missed a uh, 48-yard field goal. 3 nothing. Mm. Ravens. Uh-oh. Competitive so. game. <laughs> yeah, for the first <laughs> quarter. We'll see. We'll see how the next three go. Yeah, Indeed. we'll see how it pans out. <laughs> So, all right. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Take care, everybody. Peace. Later, folks.